Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo!
Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of August 4th, 2016. I'm your host, Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. I'm joined once again by Pear Schneider. Brian Altano is not with us this week, but filling in for him, Jared Petty. Happy to be here. So, it is another week, and there's sort of things it's to talk week. about, and sort of things not to talk about. Well, you're back. I Welcome back. Your, yeah, thanks. I listened to your show uh, last week. It wow. Was, was it yeah. weird? Yeah, no, it was Were great. you disagreeing no. in the car no, the whole time? Jeff Gersman is a much better uh, Jeff Gersman than I am a Jeff Gersman. Uh, ah, no, he did. He, he was awesome. It was great to hear his opinion, and loved the, the kind of list start that you... Uh, Kicked off there. That was really cool. Oh, for this classic. Yeah, and we're going to get into that. Uh, so just a reminder for folks, we have a YouTube channel, and uh, we're working on some cool content for that. But you head on over to YouTube.com slash Nintendo Voice Chat. You can also leave us feedback, just like, uh, and this was on iTunes, but still it counts as feedback, uh, a review from Strummer8907, uh, who... Gave us a great rating and called us absolutely amazing. I could listen to these guys for hours. No, you don't want to do that. We will put you to bed. Uh, But I love the insights and opinions they share. This is truly one of the best resources for anything Nintendo, and they do such a spectacular job. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Um, So we're going to kick things off with some uh, NX Das Hype. Like, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this is Is hype or not. (laughs) It's passive hype? I don't know. Uh, The hype is that uh, Outlet MCV uh, ran a story that says uh, Mario, Zelda, and Pokemon will headline Nintendo's NX lineup uh, within the first year. So I'm just going to break this down before we, before we start, and we're, then we're going to unpack this. But, uh, and we're going to get to my favorite quote of this whole thing. But uh, all three products are scheduled to appear within the first six months of the machine's life. So now keep mm-hmm. in mind, that's March 2017, according to Nintendo right now. Uh, so the firm, uh, apparently Nintendo's been securing third-party support in Sega, Square Enix, Ubisoft, Activision, and Warner Brothers already being on board. This is not official, by the way. This is sources told them. Yeah. Sources uh, close to them have also said that this is Nintendo's move to make sure that the NX does not suffer from the same slow start as Wii U or 3DS, which historically is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and these same sources confirmed Eurogamer's NX report as 100% accurate. We brought up on the show as well, we heard about detachable controllers as well. We, yeah. we did hear that bit, which was driving us crazy. Um, and then lastly, uh, just that once again here in game graphics will fall somewhere between PS3 and PS4, or PS3 and Xbox One. Uh, this story said PS4. With Nintendo targeting an audience that sits between smartphone and hardcore gamers on PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, in, interesting, super generic rumor. Like with, with the you know with the <laughs> information about the NX, this is the kind of stuff that we heard from developers weren't able to get a source to go on the record or let it let us run the story, and so we feel really confident that the information about the handheld fusion device is real, yeah. right? Like the we speculated about it yeah. like years ago, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome. It's it's coming true. Um, Appear- this, apparently. This I don't know how to approach because it's such a it's such a generic statement without knowing a little bit more over the source about the source. It's like this could mean so many things. First well, of all, like Pokemon to appear could be in a freaking mini game, right? Like, or it could be well, you can download the GB versions and they play on the yeah. NX. It's like it's just it's too generic for me to even care. Okay. Well, there's no surprises here. I mean, the, the and, and they, Zelda we know is yeah. The, the studios yeah. Uh, the studios have been working on something for a while. There's no Wii yeah. U software coming out, so obviously the teams are building things. And if you're going to build cornerstones for a huge launch, then you lean on your yeah. tentpole properties. I, I think it's kind of a no brainer, no surprises. Uh, yeah. but, and they they realized they fumbled that last launch. They had great launch software or near launch software. Yeah. Two launches. Yeah. In yeah. 3DS cases, there was a turnaround. In Wii U's case, there was not. You are correct. But I see, agree with you. But yeah. that's where I feel like this rumor doesn't... Uh, it, it just doesn't feel 
true to me because well, I know realistically how they space out their titles and like within six months of the launch okay if it launches in March that means by September they would have launched Mario sure maybe there's a sunshiny summer launch a Pokemon game for NX okay then what's the big Christmas game right like it just doesn't sound well, right well so let's me. unpack this a little bit yeah. so I'm glad you already brought this up but we did know about Zelda Nintendo's yeah. been very open about that they've just never specified if it launches with the system or where it falls we speculate it's either a launch game or it's definitely a November game within NX's first year no question if it gets mm-hmm. delayed like I don't think they're gonna launch it on Wii U and then hold it on NX till Christmas that yep. would yeah. be crazy so right? number two death me- by no Zelda death by no Zelda that's yeah. a good one have you used mm-hmm. that before no Okay. That sounds like a band name. Yeah, I like it. Someone has done it. Um, So number two, Miyamoto told us Nintendo hoped to show off a new type of Mario game by next E3, Mm -hmm. which would line up with, okay, if NX launches in March, at E3 Nintendo rolls out or shows, unveils Mario for the first time, the excitement goes through the roof. If not first playable, whatever they end up being. Like Obviously, when they formally announce the system, they're going to show games and they're going to show prototypes or try and get hype generated. But regardless... We know there's another Mario game that isn't going to be at launch, so presumably that falls in there, but we'd heard that before. So that would right. be revealed at E3 in June, which means they would have to get this out within the next three months following that show. Mm-hmm. Which has been done before. I mean, they, they yeah. I mean, 3D World was right. an example of that, so right? No, Announced no, at E3. Three. Okay, number I, three, what we know of third-party support uh, no, so no, far. Pokemon is the third game. Yeah. Oh, they are I guess I'll bring that up. They're launching a big Pokemon game in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 3DS. The next generation of Pokemon. And so I don't you're telling think... telling me in, in less than a year we're getting another one? What so, if we get Pokemon Sun, Moon on the NX? No. Okay, well, I See, that to me, that's yeah. weird. Because weird. why would you burn those 3DS customers mm-hmm. by offering that same game? I feel like when we heard about ports for Smash Brothers or ports, potential ports for Splatoon, yep. some time has passed and clearly Nintendo probably wants to just keep those communities mm-hmm. active. We've talked about that. Yeah. But in the case of Pokemon, we're talking about the next gen Mm -hmm. that a lot of people are excited for i agree i don't think that it makes a ton of sense but maybe it does but if that's really what the quote means then yeah the wii u had a a metroid game within the first two years of its life if you count nes metroid right like it doesn't work that way i don't either have a rumor that says there are new installments in these franchises coming um and, and that's what that means, I, or it's, it's both? I think yeah. it's more of a, a no-surprises situation. They're all hard at work on something, and coming out with just this, this screaming, blinding barrage of familiar properties makes sense for them after a couple of really clumsy missteps. I think yeah. all the way back to the Wii launch, and how many really neat, fascinating pieces of software there were in that first six, nine-month period. I mean, there was a lot to play on that thing. And, th- and they've lost that. So just, you know, play it safe and come out with things people can't resist. I think Sun and Moon as an original on there doesn't make a lot of sense either, but something that plays with Sun and Moon on the other well, hand. Well, and that's the question, sure. right? Then it becomes, is this the Coliseum to Sun and Moon? Yeah. Is this some sort that, of a, a game that either ties in or is just a spin-off entirely? Which that's Pokemon's not afraid to try a spin-off. That's where things like Picross come from. That's where things like Pokin come from. Uh, there are plenty, or Pokin, however you yeah. call it. Yeah. I, I get the name wrong Pokin. every once in a while. Pokin. The idea that you're going to be able to, to dump your Pokemon from your 3DS game into this and do something with them or vice versa, suddenly you've, you've got it. Yeah, you know, totally you got, plausible. I just don't yeah, think they want to burn those customers. But then the next one, uh, yeah. third party support so sega square ubisoft activision warner brothers so we know ubisoft's on record we know sega's on record Mm -hmm. we know square's probably there because japanese companies and nintendo are a little tighter in relationship Mm -hmm. i don't know about this activision and warner brothers thing but we'll see right like again they're just 
Yeah, well, Warner has Lego. They'll always be on a Nintendo platform. That's a good point. Right? Um, what does Activision they, have? They'll then? be the Activision has Skylanders. They'll always be on a Nintendo platform. Mm. Unless that franchise is going. Yeah, so again, playing it safe. That's and when we had Square, there was that early stuff about Dragon Quest that were some of the earliest. Yeah. Steps yeah. So that, that, and the next Dragon Quest right. is an NX game, and the, that yeah. is still Square Enix. That's that right. Great be, point. That wouldn't surprise me. Like, And, and by the way, Having been here for so many Nintendo platform launches, that's actually what Nintendo says on the record before every launch. Like, they did ah. it. And then, and then never comes to fruition that, that same way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, I mean, I think it being a different type of device bodes well for third-party relationships because it's no longer this, you know, create a special skew for a home console that's slightly less than the other home consoles. It is actually now a handheld device you take with you. And, and that... That opens up, I think, different types as of As long as third world. parties can bend whatever yeah. game they're putting on PS4 and Xbox yeah. One to whatever NX is, if it can if it can basically if it has the the you know the the capabilities. If yeah. development's cheaper, which is always appealing to to uh, to a developer, not having to put as much into making your game or your spin-off, whatever you're doing with it. And if Nintendo can sell the narrative that they are creating a new marketplace. Well, because and, that's gonna be a huge and, and the third factor is if it sells. I mean, yeah. regardless of the first two, if this thing sells like hotcakes, those publishers will absolutely show up wanting to make games. That's which, what happened on Wii. Which is another reason I believe that when you were talking about a Mario game and a Zelda game, why I believe this is going to be something like a Mario Galaxy 3 type situation and a real Zelda game and a real Pokemon game because I think they're going to blast out that first year and try to walk out of cr- six months after launch they'll have one of each. I think they'll have one of each. Yeah, I, I think, really do. Well, and I think I they're going to do like that. And I think they're going to do that for Ooh. just just so they can walk out. Uh, and what do I know? But, but, wait, but, but, wait, I, but, but we know that the NX Zelda is a thing. Like there yeah. is yeah. no new. So Zelda now, game. so now there's two more, right? Okay. So we get so we have two more big games based on tentpole franchises before Christmas. You sell a bunch of these units over Christmas, and you look at your third parties and go, "See, guys." And there we go. I mean, why not do it? So Mario team specifically I think they should. I think they would want to. I just can't see that. Happening. Oh wait. So this is the realistic uh, Nintendo mm-hmm. schedule keeping doesn't always line up the yep. way they want it to. And that's I think true. that's a fair. You're both on on fair sides of this argument. By the way, I just want to say. But uh, I would put out there in Jared's case, uh, in support of Jared, that the Mario 3D World team has been quietly busy since that game shipped, yeah, and that was 2013. Too. That's yep. true too. Yeah. yeah. So those guys have been quietly working on something. You can say probably they finished that game. That game came out in November. You I probably be- would say it's I want in to October. believe. I've got my Nintendo UFO poster <laughs> on the wall. I want to believe. Give me those franchises in the so, first six months. I'll be happy. And then please just don't make any more games. Just make Metroid. So last thing, Thank and you. we've talked about this plenty of Thank times you. before, but when uh, the announcement was made that NX was delayed and well, not delayed, but not coming to E3, the Nikkei reminder asked President Tatsumi Kimishima why the company wasn't launching NX in time for that year, this year's big holiday season. And he explained to them Nintendo wanted to make sure they had games to go along with it. So mm-hmm. this does fit the narrative that oh, Nintendo sure. has publicly been saying, which we have been talking about. And by the way, if the NX gets delayed to fall next year, they have even more time to ready those games. You know, we'll, we'll if see. If that happens, Again, yeah. I want to believe, I want to play an oh. NX in March. And like, you guys talked at length about the, you know, the, the, the hardware rumor what it is and the detachable controllers like that all sounds really cool to me and when you when you have a device the power of an xbox one or even of a wii u on a small handheld you can take with you that's that's freaking cool Mm -hmm. that's really really cool gotta make sure you make the right right games for it because with great power comes very little battery life (laughs) yes and like when you when you have you see this with uh, with the shield with any of these portable devices that are powerful like laptop PCs, 
they're, they're going to run out of battery way, way faster than their 3DS. I just love the idea I'll be able to buy like a big mule type backpack. backpack and just like plug it in oh, and man, walk around. Look like a Ghostbuster. Yeah, exactly. Are you kidding me? Great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my favorite yeah. bit of this story was this next part, which we haven't discussed. And this was an executive who a supposed executive source who had hands-on experience with the machine told MCV, it's a nice piece of kit, a bit of novelty, but a good one. It won't appeal to PS4 fans. Nintendo seems set to be trying to upgrade smartphone gamers, was this person's takeaway. That's going to be a big job for their marketing department. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea that between smartphone gamers and hardcore gamers, there's an audience that isn't getting served, what do we think of that? Well, this plays into Nintendo's strategy with mobile games though right they've they've always said yes we will now do mobile games quiet down investors we'll make a couple of bucks over there but we also leverage this platform as, as a marketing platform for our our console games there's no play mm-hmm. like it that's what the <clears throat> slogan is right now right and so you know like if this that that makes sense as a strategy but it's like the reason why a lot of gamers are into mobile games is, is the the factor that you always have it with convenience, you, right? And yeah. so there is um, there's definitely money in mobile gaming. There are people who play games for hours and hours every week. There are people who spend hundreds of dollars on mobile games every week, right? Um, so there is a market there, but I feel like it's still a convenience market. It's still people who are playing games because they have the devices with them on the go um, versus something you have to take with you. Yeah, yeah. and so. It's tough. Like I, I, I mean, this is obviously obviously the the source interpreting the the story and the device, right? Mm, yeah. Rather than hey, Nintendo told me they're going after smart uh, a smart game. It's true. I, I feel like I gamers and... I feel like I am their audience for yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I I, mm. I play games on my mobile phone, but I tend to carry a portable around. Uh, mm. I commute a lot. I'm a city dweller. They're largely Japan-centric. They're thinking about mm-hmm. a country with a lot of people riding trains every day where mobile devices are common. So I think that does still uh, uh, definitely help them focus. You know, They're focused at home a lot of the time. Yeah. That said, um, are there enough of me to make that happen? People who don't <laughs> want to play their I, games I think they are. Right. I think there, there's a, a decent bet that there is, and this has been Nintendo's strategy for a while now, much to the chagrin of some of uh, Nintendo's fans, that it is about gaining a larger audience of people mm. playing games and not just hardcore gamers. Yeah. Nintendo's games can scale to that audience, but not every game is going to be made for that audience. Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. think that's bad. So, like, I, I, don't, I don't think it is going to be a PS4 on the go, right? No. I th- and I think the software selection will focus on something different. Like, I'm hoping Zelda is not an, 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 an unusual game for that mm-hmm. platform that will see bigger adventure games like that. But I'm a little worried about that if the approach is converting mobile players now, the big thing, though, with mobile players is that you can play these games anywhere. And, like, when you have um, games where it's even asynchronous multiplayer, you are re- relying on your machine being connected. Yeah. And there is no way in hell the NX will be connected when you're on the go. Yes, there will be some amazing partnership with McDonald's where you can use their, their Wi-Fi spots. Or maybe there's tethering this time around, and, you know, mm-hmm. like tether to like your data plan. It's just Maybe that, pie in the just, sky. To me, that feels too fussy already. Again. I, it's I, not it's, certain. It's and so that means fussy. the NX then for mobile gamers is going to be the at-home device. Yeah. And then you got to ask, well, but 
what market are you serving them? Well, I, so, so, like, so what kind of games second, are you though, operating I, them? Just to? to back up a little bit, though, I don't think Zelda is meant for mobile converted players at all. Zelda right. is for us. Yeah. The people yeah. at this table who like absolutely adore and love that style of an adventure game, I don't think they make compromises to appeal to that audience because that game's clearly for some of that audience, but not for yeah. everyone in that audience. Mm-hmm. Jared, you were well, going to say. You know, I think Nintendo learned something in, in two generations ago uh, when, when the Wii was going up against the 360 and the PS3. They learned that one of the reasons the Wii prospered was because development costs for software on that platform were so cheap. It was SD instead of HD. It was, it was old, reliable hardware that they already knew what to do with. It was easy to work with. You could make games much more cheaply on the Wii than you could on the, the more powerful consoles. For sure. Fast forward now, and we're in an ecosystem where we've talked many times about how the middle's fallen out. Mm-hmm. We have these super powerful consoles and PCs where game development costs, because of art assets in particular, are higher than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And we have a mobile phone market where there's tremendous potential for spending a little bit of money on a game and making a huge yeah. return, except the market's so saturated that being the guy that actually gets that game that everybody buys is a one in a thousand shot. It's a lottery. So maybe they're looking at this and saying, right here in the middle, we see an opportunity Games that are cheap to develop, cheap enough to develop, mm. compared to, I mean, yes, it, it may be the difference between a game costing $50 million and $150 million, sure, but, but that may be enough to make something profitable for people, I mean, and that's I mean, what I'm wondering if they're going for. Yeah, I mean, it's a maybe, but I do think that we just don't know how much Nintendo games cost to make. I yeah. mean, for example, Zelda yeah. is the exception, because Zelda has probably been the most expensive game they have cooking in-house right now, yeah. the, at least the most public expensive game that they yep. have right now, meaning that people know it exists, versus maybe Mario would be something like second place, if that's still something that everyone's tinkering on. But... To me, I don't know if any of this paints the picture for it is cheaper to develop on a Nintendo platform just because I think that they're, in trying to at least somewhat keep up with this race, Mm -hmm. they are chasing the same kind of high-quality High definition art assets. Yeah, Tegra costs a lot of money. A Tegra, a Tegra two chips, pretty powerful. I mean, like the the kind of visual fidelity you're getting out of your, your iPad now, mm-hmm. you know, is is pretty impressive. I mean, there's some games um, when you see them running, even when you put them on a on a TV, they they look pretty damn good. Mm. And it's a testimony to the ingenuity of a lot of indie devs and smaller development teams that they can reach that kind of visual fidelity because they're not spending $100 million on these games, obviously. Well, yeah, that's and what I'm wondering. Is, yeah. I think that's what you may see. So you're yeah. not going to get The Witcher or Assassin's Creed at that level unless it's a port uh, of one yeah. of the other ones. But yeah. you're not going to get from the ground up develop one of those games. But you're going to get the Lego City to the Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. You know? well, and and maybe, that's, that's kind of what I meant. Yeah, I think maybe that's cheaper to make. Well, and part of the selling point could be part of the story with Wii was this is the accompanying console. This is another mm-hmm. console you can have at home, yep. and it, it doesn't have to. It could be your second console. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. As odd as that sounds, as being happy to do that, I think that by being that device at that price, it helped them a lot because it didn't cost a lot to buy. The games were cheap, as you brought yep. up. Um, I think all of that played into that perfect storm. And the accessibility was there, which at the end yeah. of the day, the Wii Remote was the coolest thing for that reason. Your yeah. grandma could play it, your mom could play it, families at dinner, or you can really get into a hardcore game. 
Yeah, it's going to be look, I mean, this is this is such a weird weird gamble, you know, to create this device and like it is not the PS4 that's going to play Nintendo games and like honestly, I mean, having played games like Mario Kart or Splatoon on the Wii U, I'm like they look great. They're good-looking yeah. games. So oh, yeah. it's not like everybody's going like, I wish, you know, these games were running on a PS4. They're, they're very beautiful games, and they're certainly not low-budget either when you see it, what went into them. Mm. But it is, a, it is a weird gamble because the Vita in its early li- life had, had power franchises on it. Yep. You know, mm. like, these are not small games. You know, we're talking about, like, Sony's, like, top-tier franchises like Uncharted being mm-hmm. on the platform. Yep. And so if even, like, the Uncharted's and Gran Turismo's of this world couldn't sell this platform, um, you know, what it will take for this one is is some, like, ingenious little hook that mm-hmm. gets people interested where they say, I already have an iPad, I already have an iPhone, I have an Android phone, I have a console at home, but I need this because. And, like, yeah. one hook, obviously, is Zelda Mario Pokemon, right? Like, the big franchise. Especially Zelda, based yeah. on what we saw. Well, and Oof. especially Pokemon right now, right? Yeah. Like, and, and so that, that could be a door opener, but I think it needs a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think nope. it needs I think that. that. I think that's all fair. Yeah. That went on a lot longer than I thought, but I'm happy we did it. Because you um, have Jared and Pay. By the way, Jared's been very quiet. Yeah. So you, no, you, don't you totally. Out I, I'm trying to be a good boy. Uh, no, you, but but uh, I, I do laugh at. I mean, I, I meant what I said, like, Das Hype? Maybe? Yeah. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure <laughs> I, about this one. There's yeah. definitive Das Hypes, and then there's this. So I buy, like, the, this definitely to me sounds like. Um, Talking to a publisher, somebody who has knowledge of the platform, mm-hmm. looks at it and says, oh, I get it. I, I understand what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, though. Yep. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to turn things over to IGN's Pokemon Secret Base, which is a new show. So you're about to hear the voices of Callie Plaguey. Hi, I'm Callie Plaguey. Miranda Sanchez. Hello, I'm Miranda Sanchez. And Andrew Goldfarb. Hi, I'm Andrew Goldfarb. So we're going to turn it over to those guys. Take it away, Secret Base. There's a lot of changes um, coming to Sun and Moon. So Sun and Moon are getting a lot of a lot of new features, new Pokemon, and kind of different forms and different different things for existing Pokemon. So um, I'm really excited, especially for the Alola forms. And before this, Andrew and I were talking about how does that work with Pokemon Bank? And that's like the big question is, Alola forms are really cool. So for people who don't know, um, kind of old Pokemon, the only Pokemon we saw with uh, Alola forms were first generation Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So uh, Executor gets really tall, um, which <laughs> I think so is weird. clever because it's like regions, like tropical yeah. uh, appropriate. It's appropriate for the region. So it makes a lot of sense. And I like that they're kind of doing that world building with it. Like, you know, this region has a different culture in a different set of So the way this Pokemon would grow is different. Yeah, Yeah. and it makes a lot of sense. Um, And then, for some reason, Vulpix and Ninetales and Sandshrew and Sandslash are all ice, because they, like, adapted... To the islands or something? That's the weirdest part of it is that the types are changing. Like, like Executor gets dragon type, I think, and uh, Sandslash is uh, steel, and then yeah, uh, Ninetales is fairy. Like, that's really interesting. Yeah. And, sti- and ice. And ice, yeah. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it just, it's interesting adding that kind of twist to what they were. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this because uh, the one thing that we were talking about earlier that I mentioned is uh, Pokemon Bank. Like, do you, does it a low level pick stay in a low level picks, or does the Vulpix you have? Like adapt, I, I feel yeah. like it'd be the, the former. Or yeah, maybe like a stone. Like, because my thing is yeah. like, if I if I do have a Vulpix or a Sanchiru, like when I evolve, is there some 
way I can like give them something that will make them evolve into the new version of Ninetales? Or? I don't think they would. I think right. it makes more sense because this is like region specific. Like if you look at like this one has adapted to this climate. It would have it to have been living there. And, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. change all of a sudden mm. just because you're in this yeah. region. Fair which point. Which means, like, the first question I had when I saw these is this, uh, how is this going to affect how that Pokemon battles? Because um, I don't know if stats are changing along with types. Like, if, you know, Vulpix and Ninetales are more special-oriented than physical. Um, I might I might have that backwards, but I don't remember. Um, the... Like ice type moves, you have to pick the right ice type moves, and like how do stats incorporate? Like how do you incorporate stats into that? Um, and then also just how do you incorporate Pokemon Bank? So those are like two big questions. But I'm really really excited for those changes. Um, and that was like the probably the biggest thing for me from the most recent Sun and Moon trailer, even though there was a lot of stuff, including Pokebride. It's Pokemon ride sharing. <laughs> I love that. that yeah. It's like so cute too. Like. So, it's the continuation of um, Soar Over Hoenn, the feature from Oris, where you can get on a Latios Latias and not have to use the HM fly. And it actually takes longer, but you get to explore um, the sky. So Pokemon <laughs> Poka Ride seems like maybe you'll be, be able to explore different areas that you might not be able to get to on foot or something. There's potential there, um, but also the potential to eliminate HMs, which is my yeah. secret goal. <laughs> my Team Rocket goal. No more <laughs> HMs. That would be really nice to not have to take the inventory slot. Yeah, that's actually a really yeah. good point. Yeah, I always have to see, it's like, okay, well, who's gonna fly? Yeah. Like, I don't really want this, but I need it. Like, so. okay, I'll catch a furret, and I'll, you know, teach it all these moves, or <laughs> yeah. whatever. A linoon, and I'll teach it everything. <laughs> I mean, I like, it, it's funny in, in the, because they showed, like, Charizard, I think they showed Tora if I remember right. Um, yes. And it's smart that they're, with that and with the new uh, Alola types, they're leaning into the original 150 a little bit. Yeah. And given yeah. Red, Blue, and Yellow earlier this year and now Go, that feels really smart because, mm-hmm. like, awareness feels so high right now on those. Yeah. And so, like, you would imagine that, like, if even a tiny percentage of Pokemon Go players who haven't played the RPG want to come over, mm-hmm. like, that's a good way to get them. Yeah, it's a lot more friendly to them, especially, yeah. it's like... I talk with so many people who are just playing Pokemon Go and haven't played any other Pokemon property um, mm-hmm. or game and or seen the shows or anything. And so, like, having that familiarity is probably a lot more welcoming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's just, I like I said, it's a really clever way to build up the world of Pokemon because Pokemon games, they have stories, but they're the stories are, like, I don't want to say weak, but there's they're just lacking in some... Um, you know, development, especially in the the lore area, and that's kind of been a more recent recent thing, especially with the um, add-on epilogue to Oris. They have that whole dragon people doing dragon stuff. Um, <laughs> I forget their names, but they're doing cool dragon things. Um, but I, I think it's it's just really it's a really thoughtful idea to say, you know, Pokemon have jobs, and canonically, Pokemon have yeah. jobs, and you it's like a dog with a job. Like it's just better. Like giving yep. a Charizard a job and saying, you know, this Charizard is is not your Charizard, but you can use you can partner up with. He'll come help you out. Yeah, he's your he's going to be your friend. He's your buddy, and maybe he'll snub you a little bit like Ash's Charizard. But who knows? <laughs> Hopefully, he's professionally trained to not yeah do that. Like, I, he knows to treat his clients well. I, I mean, this kind of ties into if you remember in the like one of the first, I think the teaser trailer, you see there's trucks and there's a Blastoise doing mm-hmm. like firefighter stuff. Yeah, right. Um, so it just makes a lot of sense that this would be Pokemon with jobs sort yeah, of things. In society, like if Pokemon are everywhere and if everyone has their own and if there's some that are stronger than others, yeah. like it makes sense that they would have them in the same way that like humans had horses pulling carts or doing things right. like that like, or sled dogs or yeah, whatever. Yeah, a dog getting like your that. paper or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and like, like, 
Machamp, I think, does moving. Either Machoke or Machamp um, <laughs> moves boxes. That's like in Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. Uh, so all of that. But moving on, because those are those are probably two of the big things from the most recent trailer. And then the third I want to highlight is the trials, um, yeah. which is sort of this weird... Like, I've never really seen this in a Pokemon, or like a mainline Pokemon game, but it's these separate sort of quests, and there's something called Totem Pokemon that you kind of challenge as a mini-boss and it's just very unique. It's different from gyms. I don't know if it's replacing gyms. It doesn't seem like that because it seems... Yeah. They said that you still have like, the kahuna. So it's like yeah. you have these totems, and then once you beat them, you can challenge the kahuna. So yeah. it's, I guess, the like, gym leaders of the region for this challenge that they have. Yeah. I don't know if it's in addition to or it supplants it in some way. Yeah. It's interesting because not all of them are in battle. You don't challenge all of them. Sometimes it's like finding items or doing other quests. And I just... This is... Again, three the three big things from this trailer are all building up the culture of Alola mm-hmm. in a really unique way, and I'm so so excited to see how that translates to the games. Because if you know if this is this totally different cultural experience from from the other regions, the Japan based regions, and then Unova and uh, France, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's France, yeah, it's, just, it's France. <laughs> I'll remember like in ten minutes, and then I'll shout it out. Um, <laughs> it's been a long day, but uh, the those have you know very similar structures, and I like that they're deviating from it without totally replacing the idea of like challenging something and becoming better. Maybe, but you're doing it in a different way. Um, and then I just really quickly want to touch back on uh, older announcements um, because I think a lot of us are really excited for some of these. One of them being the Pokemon QR scanner. Like, yes. Yeah, Miranda, you were the one who was excited for this. I am very excited for the potential of so, finding Pokemon and adding my Pokedex through just QR codes. Yeah, so I had yeah. sort of forgotten about this because this was an afterthought sort of to another trailer, but you can scan QR codes and see where they live. Right, so the weird thing, too, is that you can scan anything, I'm guessing, because on the little teaser art that they have, this kid is just, like, toppled over in his bedroom, <laughs> and he's, like, scanning, I guess, like, a bottle and just, like, a, something online. And, yeah. yeah, it's just, like, so the potential is, is really cool. But yeah. I'm, I want to scan, like, an old plastic bottle and know where, like, Garboder lives. I think that'd be really funny. Yeah, and even if they do, like, <laughs> McDonald's toys again or something, like, you yeah. can very easily, like, tie it in promotionally. So, mm-hmm. one thing I'm worried or interested in is how people could abuse that system, too, because, like, there's so many ways just to generate QR codes. So, like, what yeah. stops that or what makes them different? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you can also generate your own QR codes to share Pokemon you've caught with your friends. It's like, hey, you can look at this if you haven't found it, and then they can kind of pinpoint where that habitat is for the Pokemon. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited all around how different this feels like it'll be, like because yeah. that like does change the ecosystem a little bit, where it's not just like you get stuff in game and then there's a GameStop event once a month. Like, mm-hmm. there's actually going to be some interesting ways to get extra stuff. And yeah. then like with the gyms and the Kahuna's, it's like. There have always been, like, kind of each gym is a little themed differently. Like, mm-hmm. find the Switch or, like, fight in this specific order or whatever it is. Um, expanding that to proper minigames is exciting in the same way that I think this is really cool where, like, maybe it changes how you're getting Pokemon or how you're doing events and, and stuff like that. I mean, it definitely mm-hmm. facilitates finding and filling out your Pokedex. And I think that's, yeah. like, the big thing for it because yeah. it is... a there's a very lot. time-consuming to do that. Yeah, yeah, in addition to wonder trading, I think it'll help a lot. Um, yeah, my first thought was trading card game, too. Like, yeah. it makes a lot of sense yeah. that, like, if you get a card in the trading card game, maybe not every one of them has a QR code, but the ones that do, you can have straight in the game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something to tie in other parts of the franchise would make a lot of sense. Yep. Um, and then we talked about this uh, on the previous episode, which you can find on IGN.com. Um, but the other things I'm excited for are hypertraining. Hypertraining mm-hmm. is just a really promising thing to me to be able to kind of tweak your Pokemon's IVs, especially for Pokemon that you are hard to breed or you can't breed, uh, like legendaries. 
um, which helps with battle because I love competitive battle. Um, and then Battle Royale, we didn't talk about too much, but I want to talk about that a little bit because it's very interesting. It's like a free-for-all, four-player, and I feel like a lot of people in the IGN office especially would mess with each other and gang up on somebody. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it's all play. and But then we all have the secret plan and team up against one person or yeah. something. It's Andrew. We're going to team up. Sorry. No, oh, yeah. I'm kidding. Oh. No, I'm going to conspire with you. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering, I'm just excited to see how that unfolds because I feel like the rules are one way and then people are just going to find different ways to, to play it and just make it crazy. For sure. Um, so that's another thing. And then uh, the Pokemon Global Link, they're updating it. We talked about this in the previous episode, uh, but I think that's really cool just being able to facilitate your own um, competitive games. And I really would want to do one in the office, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and probably Friendly one with the show. Ooh. Okay. Promising. Yes. Jose Otero here with Jared Petty and Pierre Schneider. Hello. Um, sorry, I need to double check what time it is. It's twenty one thirty seven. No, I'm just I'm just <laughs> checking time on our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, because then that would mean that it's 930. like nine thirty at night. Better preamble. We just turned it over to, or better way to sum this up. Sorry, uh, we just turned it over to our Pokemon Secret Base, which is a new podcast here at IGN. It's a video show. It's an audio show. We're going to have links in the description where you can find it. You should absolutely check it out. It is a very cool show, entirely focused on the wonderful world of Pokemon. Yeah, and if you, I mean, you obviously know, uh, know IGN well enough to, uh, to understand what we're doing, right? We like to, once in a while, take a franchise that's in the public eye, very popular, that lends itself to deeper coverage. We've done this in the past with mm-hmm. Destiny and Fallout and some of the other games um, uh, uh, out there. And when we see an audience gathering around that topic and sustaining a show like that, we keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So if you like Pokemon, if you like this show... Please check it out, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to support it. If there is a viable big audience, we're going to keep on doing it. Yeah, if you keep rating on iTunes, if you keep watching, if you keep writing in, that's how these shows keep happening. These are probably my favorite thing we do here are the are these focused discussion shows. I really enjoy them. I think they're neat. It was funny. Yeah, when we did Fireteam Chat, and obviously Jose was instrumental in getting this off uh, I'm the guy the who, ground, fought the, right? who fought the war. Like yeah. we had, at the time, we, we really focused more on platforms mm-hmm. and, and movies and television, like big genre discussions where you can, you have like limitless um, things to talk about. But, and meanwhile, I came in after Christmas break that year, babbling on and on about Destiny yeah. every morning to Alfredo and Dustin and realized, why aren't we doing this as a as a sort of short mm-hmm. form, shorter form version of a show versus spending an hour, spend half an hour, and just yeah. hit the relevant topics? I, I do feel bad though because the fire team chat community uh, sometimes reach out, reaches out to me because I don't normally I don't do the show anymore. Yeah. Like Fran, Sean have both filled in and done yeah. a fantastic job along with Destin, who is one of my favorite people living today. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, I, I think that they, they do a great job, and hopefully we can continue these experiments where, like, you know, uh, the Fallout show, which Jared put together. Yeah, Vault was, Vault was, was a lot time. of fun. Yeah. And we still, every now and then, get together and film a Vault. When actually, DLC shows up, right? Yeah, when yeah. DLC shows up. We've actually got one in the can right now that Pokemon Go pushed down the road about two weeks past where it was meant to go out. <laughs> oh, uh, but uh, yeah. that'll, that'll be out very soon. But, yeah, I love doing Vaults. Vaults yeah. are a lot of fun. And I, I love these when the right game comes along, getting a chance to do them. I also love this show, though. This is a great show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you can find Pokemon Secret Base... Uh, 
uh, on IGN's YouTube channel. Just head over to youtube.com slash IGN. No dedicated channel for it yet. We'll see how this sort of shakes out. Please check it out and uh, make sure you let Callie, Miranda, and Andrew know what you think. So, next up, uh, there was a lot of good uh, announcements about Pokemon that those guys hopefully are going to, they're going to, they took over for us actually. So, instead, we're going to start here with a PSA. This PSA is that 13 years of Nintendo power have now been preserved on the internet. And if you're watching this show on video, we actually have some Nintendo powers on the desk. Um, and we also have something else on the desk we'll talk about in a minute. But that is an awesome Jared's thing. So happy. By the way, this PSA brought to you by a friend of the show, Mike, who wrote in to uh, beg us to bring it up. And I think it was yeah. absolutely worth talking about. No, n- Nintendo power, a slice of a, of a time in gaming history that, that really we're never going to recapture this wonderful place between publicity and journalism, where you watch that evolution <laughs> kind of begin to happen. And, and I love it. I love it for that. I love Nintendo power. It is difficult in this modern world of the internet to encapsulate how important a new issue of Nintendo power arriving was. And to be the kid bringing it to class and waving mm-hmm. it around yeah. uh, when, when you couldn't look these things up instantaneously when you couldn't get your news any other way it, it moves me jose j- mm. just for a moment mm. go, i believe go. i moved to song yeah well get the power <laughs> nintendo power get the clues that you can use nintendo power higher and higher fighting your way through enemy fire jerry petty are. folks a hit at karaoke parties thing. all over the, yeah it was that was a that commercial was that was a commercial. Remember, I'm not from this planet. Yeah, uh, you well, you were from. The, well, I you weren't mean, in the states when this happened, but you were here. No, no, like I, I mean, uh, in Germany we didn't have Nintendo yeah. Power. There was, that was like the that official was pretty good falsetto, by the way. I, I was, I, I'm not a very good singer, yeah. but yeah, uh, thank like, you. The official mag was like Nintendo Fun Vision. I actually interned yeah. at it at one point. Oh, that's yeah. right, you did. You told but us about like, this. I love uh, what you said. Is is really funny, right? Like. I, I you should have told I me. Think... We could have done a duet. I could have. Oh, like, say I'm sorry. Back. I didn't plan you guys that. You can do it at the end yeah, after no. I leave. <laughs> um, the uh, no, that's beautiful. Beautiful. I was moved to tears too. Mm. Um, no, but but it's it must be as a journalist. It must be hard to write under the corporate umbrella of Nintendo about Nintendo and sure. knowing that you know you want to tell the truth, but you have to work within the confines of a kind of of a marketing yeah. system. And well, that's not to say these guys. Like were shows. rated yeah. a game highly that they didn't like. There are negative reviews in yeah. Nintendo Power, mm-hmm. yep. but but it's like it's this weird balance, right? And like having um, done the internship, there were certain words you couldn't say. You couldn't wait, say t- something. Wait, gets set the killed, stage for, for this. Oh. The internship. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you've gone into super context what? on this. What what was the internship? Oh, after Japan, I, I stopped for. Um, I went uh, back to Germany for a year after and? I, uh, and interned in Frankfurt at the official Nintendo magazine. And, really. Um, and yeah, it came with all these rules of like things you can't say, and like it was very Whoa. family friendly language. But like the word, like my first article is like, and then you shoot them. It's like ah, we don't want to use shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and then wait, like, so and you can you know when your Pokemon gets killed, no, 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 they faint. You know, it, it was nice. all wait. You wrote about of, Pokemon? No, I don't know what it was. Oh, uh, you don't at remember the time, what but, you wrote about? But it so, was not no kill. You couldn't kill anything. So Pear, uh, as a bushy-tailed intern, also has a famous photo shoot. That. that may or may not have been uh, in the pages of this official Nintendo magazine. You want to tell us a little, tell the folks that story? Well, Try to make up something really bad that they're not going to believe? Well, no, they, they, they had like, uh, they had Nintendo Fun Vision licensed apparel, like t-shirts and an umbrella actually with and? the logo 
on it. And so they want to do uh, take uh, probably they didn't get enough ad bookings. They wanted to fill a page with uh, with uh, their apparel to upsell people. So, and so they're like, uh, "Hey, uh, we need to take a picture. Hey, you, young young guy, come here." And they put a hat on him. I put. Uh, I looked like uh, I looked like the dog from The Simpsons. <laughs> he looked like a '90s kid because yeah. Pear looked really young. The photo showed up at an IGM presentation. Well, one day. I put it in there. I was yeah. surprised you yeah. did that, and I I took a side by side photo that yeah. I never tweeted, but I wanted to. Yeah. So that might show up uh, in the show. Yeah, notes I have no this. problem That's with that. It's, it's really funny. It was it was purposely like goofy. I didn't dress like that. You didn't look the same. No, and yeah. I I was I was kind of angry. How old were you? Uh, huh? How old were you? Nineteen? No, it's it's twenty-two. No, older than that. Hmm. So like twenty-five, twenty-four. When was that? Like twenty-five, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I just looked very young in that picture because I have a backwards baseball hat on. <laughs> Ra- rakishly <laughs> handsome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good way to yeah. put it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. I so we got a bunch of issues spread across the table. You should definitely check out uh, a lot of great history there from the very first issue in uh, nineteen ninety-eight, or excuse me, nineteen eighty-eight to. Uh, I think there's only 13 years. There's still more uh, to put up, but this is an awesome effort um, and an awesome thing. And if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you know this magazine very well, so you should absolutely check it out. Like, I actually have an issue open to Fire Red uh, Leaf Green version, which is one of my favorite uh, remakes of all time. Like Just redoing Pokemon in a GBA style um, and the, the whole wireless connectivity part of it uh, as an option was really cool. So you were able to get a lot of great information. Very cool. Out. Bless the good people at the Internet Archive for yeah, we actually uh, happen. Yes, yes. No, and we actually have a guest in the works, uh, which I need to t- touch base with this person who worked at Nintendo Power. A couple, actually, who have mm-hmm. been talking to us about maybe coming on the show one day. Don't want to name names yet because... They are not 100% convinced, or we got to see when time lines up. But that's something we hope to bring you at some point. All right, so we have another thing on this table, um, if you're watching us on video. Uh, but I brought in my Super Famicom uh, from... Uh, so my first trip to Japan in 2013, I bought a fully inboxed uh, Japanese Nintendo Super Famicom. Uh, this thing came out in 1990. The box is in rough shape. The system is in great shape, that's considering... Uh, yeah, it's, it's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, so I specifically brought this in today because... I'm expecting a new 3DS with the Super Nintendo style. Yeah. Um, and the box and, and <laughs> materials look just like these, so I wanted to try and do a video for IGN. But serendipitously, it tied in as well to a conversation we started last week with good friend of the show, uh, Jeff Gerstmann, about the possibility of a SNES classic. Um, so just to quickly set the stage, Nintendo obviously has a new classics label where they are publishing or putting out a machine called the NES Classic Edition. And this thing's coming out in November. It's really cool. We're really excited for it. 30 games, 60 bucks. Uh, we're not so happy about the wired controllers. You heard about that last week. Yeah. But we decided, why not build a Super Nintendo Classic of our own as a suggestion? Because we know you listen to the show, uh, fans of Nintendo and maybe Nintendo themselves, um, and offer our suggestions. So last week, we asked Jeff to give us five games. And he said, Act- ActRaiser, great yep. choice, by the way. We're going to oh, talk man. about that. Actually, Best talk music. about it. ActRaiser. Oh, I love that game. It's the, the first one is just such an awesome, weird combination of two gameplay styles. That's like right. Side-scrolling, hack and slash, and then this weird little... Sim. Little sim, <laughs> like village sim, right? Like, I mean, it's a very linear little thing, but like they basically make the map of an action game fun. Yeah. And then the music, it's just so fantastic. It was really hard, too. That like, so that much. first stage, you can get killed, like, so, really fast. So disappointed when the second one came out and, like, yeah. it got rid of the, the whole, like, um, the, the town feature. Yeah, no, totally. Anything to add on ActRaiser, Jerry? Uh, ActRaiser is 
one of the most hyperbolically wonderful things ever crafted by humans. It is it is a living excuse for hyperbole. It is beautiful so and wonderful and scales and it's a game where you play God and you kill monsters with a sword and then you rescue people from caves and then humanity spurns you. Just it's on wonderful. those two things you just said, I'm surprised this is a Nintendo game because they were very anti, you're not God in any of this, like <laughs> leave religion out of it um, and, and then like you know, killing people, but we'll leave that part alone. Um, no, love that game too. We'll probably put music from it in the episode. Second game he suggested was Contra 3 Alien Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome game. I played it with my friend in Japan. By the way, I had this exact model, so I grew up with this Super Nintendo look. Does it look weird to you guys? Because to me, this looks like the normal machine. Whenever I we'll see the purple box, I'm like, ugh. No, yeah. this is, this is a, it looks way better. It's much okay. better industrial design than the purple one. Also, yeah. you can clearly see the PlayStation, like, roots in there like you look at that thing you're like oh that's where the playstation came from okay it's yeah down to the the color the color wheel and the buttons then everything looks like it is a lovely piece of industrial design i think it's beautiful but talking about alien wars and it plays contra yeah it does play contra the alien wars and i like contra 3 i like it less than contra Uh, it's very very good and it's beautiful but I feel like it's one of those games where making the sprite slightly larger actually makes the game a little less good. Castlevania Four has, has that issue where Simon's so big that they had to slow the game down. And they did a very good job with it in Four. And the music fits and the tone works. Love I feel soundtrack. like it's less yeah. perfectly executed in Contra 3. Contra's not a game you want to be slow. And the smaller sprites in the NES version, I believe, allow you to do a little more with screen real estate and make things feel a little more menacing and quick. I Nonetheless, agree. it's a beautiful game. Yeah. No, I hear no, you. And that you, was a you, common thing on Super Nintendo games. I feel like they were going for really big sprites. Even ActRaiser, the sprites felt huge compared to stuff you pay, played yeah. on the NES. Yeah. Go ahead. Which means sometimes you're at the edge of the screen or an enemy appears on screen very quickly and you know, like because your shots don't reach yeah. as far as in in the older games where the the sprites were smaller. Like it is, yeah. The game the gameplay is not as good, but man, that that was a fantastic two player mode with like cool vehicle action. Remember those sequences, mm-hmm. like short things where you hop in and like yeah. just hanging from stuff while your friend is on a different level just feels so good when you yep. have these kind of multiple paths you take you know even though you're on the same screen it was just really cool got it got it alright so then uh, and then that double ending and that beautiful beautiful yeah. beautiful sprite art some oh. just the best yeah, like, yeah. the mode oh, 7 yeah. stuff was so cool yeah absolutely no uh, and just to go back to uh, where you were asking about the Super Famicom earlier to me this was always superior to the okay. US one mm. uh, you saw this in magazines and you were immediately just sort of blown away and I'm holding it. Uh, if you haven't seen what a Nintendo Super Famicom looks like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to describe it very well over the airwaves for you. But you can Google it while you listen on the same device that you're listening to us right now. But uh, I used to see this in magazines and just immediately lose it and go, oh my god, that looks so cool. That is exactly what the next step of Super Nintendo uh, should be like. And then we got these purple buttons. And I was like, what is this thing? Um, they were like purple, big wide rectangles you just pushed up. What are you, what are you staring at? It has a face. Uh, it kind yeah, of does. it upside yeah, down. Yeah. It does have a face. Yeah, it, looks yeah. Like yeah. Angry, it looks like me. It looks like an angry yeah. old man with a giant multicolored. It's frowning. Yeah. Jose, so, do you know why they described it? Do you yeah. know why they redesigned it for the states uh, in that particular motif? I, mean, I don't know. I, I, if I had to assume, it's just because even with the NES, they did it. I think mm-hmm. they were very cognizant that the U.S. market is different. Didn't and look fun enough. This looked too much like a business computer to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like the Famicom the, didn't look that the great kind of here. Home computer like uh, slats in the in the back, the gray color scheme, and so they thought, hey, purple is fun, right? Yeah. Like they 
what what I always hated is that about they the nineties, the multi the, the multi con multi color button setup, which right. really made things so easy. Like hit the red button. They turn in purple. Yeah. yeah, and grabbing those four beautiful primaries. Yeah, yeah, but purple was a kind of a signature color to Nintendo, if you think about it. I mean, the NES ads, yeah. ev- almost everything felt like it had kind of a purple hue, a purple hinge to it, outside of also being the 90s, which was way too purple for anyone's good, I feel. Um, but uh, <laughs> just, mm, well, we love him, RIP. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a thing that I just think they were aware of, that like, in order to gain a foothold in the U.S. market and sort of resuscitate video games as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. The entire market was resuscitated by the idea that we need to make this look like a solid entertainment piece, like something that fits right next to your VCR and is just as useful. I don't know if that was the same design motif for the Super Nintendo yeah, that's, based on that purple. It's, it's a very playful, definitely, but it's odd because it contrasted so much with the Genesis, which is the yeah. most 90s thing that ever happened. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, you but, know. but thankfully, it was, it was sort of at least closer to this vision, because if you think about Famicom to NES... Yep. You know, you had this ejection system that, you know, eventually broke. You yeah, know? it's almost like a role reversal. Like, because mm-hmm. the, the, the Japanese original Famicom looks much more playful than the NES, and then they kind of flip, and then yeah. the Super Famicom looks much more business like. Yep, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so then to round out Jeff's list, and we probably don't have to say too much about the next three games, but we will quickly. iconic. Yeah, the three of the best game video games ever made in the 90s Super Mario World, Zelda Link to the Past, Super Metroid. Woohoo! That's yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, those three. Holy, like, the Holy you, Trinity, if you some talk say. about. You can't talk about the system without mentioning those three names. They're just so good. And each one of them is so different from the other, right? Like, obviously, there are similarities between Super Metroid and Zelda and that you mm-hmm. use items to progress and stuff. But, like, they're just so they feel and sound and look so different. Mm-hmm. Man. All three really amazing. We keep bringing up sound. Man, that thing had a great sound chip. Oh, just, just, just so effort, good. Just so absolutely, absolutely. And Konami, you know, and and the old Treasure Team were just the masters at getting everything out of that thing. Super Castlevania, like it sounds oh. so good to this day. Any of the Goemon games that Konami did sound and, amazing. And yeah. actors were just a bum 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 bum. All right, so. Uh, Jared is joining us today to give us his five picks, well, and yeah. he is allowed uh, before he gets started to take out one of Jeff's picks. So <laughs> sorry, uh, Jeff does, Gerstman. Uh, just does, just putting that out there. Does he have apology. to pick all new games, or can they be duplicates? Is, no, is this I like asked him to pick new games. Okay, so perfect. every so we guest have we have already, on, I see yeah. we have our treasure chest full of games. You get to add five but you take one out yeah you're allowed okay. to take one yeah out yeah if, yeah if i challenge myself to try all new feel? things here i you know i i feel good i feel honored to be invited to be a part of this noble endeavor well, thank I, you but but you guys should know jared is such a nice person i i feel like he probably was awake all night with anxiety actually i asked him an hour before. had to take out one game away from jeff that's from not true so i asked him uh, an hour before the show i'm oh, sorry okay. by the way was i was a little awake. busy this morning. no it's okay and found and found a way to make it uh, it's still a nice replacement pair all right let's, nice. let's it's a it nice replacement actually. so do you want to hear the replacement first or the whole list uh go with your replacement okay. who are you replacing so i I'm replacing Super Mario World. What? Like, how dare you? What are you doing? Why? Oh, Perry got up. Because Perry got up and left. I'm replacing Super Mario World, the uh, the second best Mario platformer, uh, with the Super Mario All Stars plus Super Mario World combo cart. And Perry comes back. That's right, because uh, that is a that is a cheap cheat. There, it's a total cheat. Toward the end of the uh, distribution of the Super Nintendo, they produced a card that had all the Super Mario All-Stars on it, which is one of the best, most wonderful compilations 
to this day, I think, ever. Uh, along with a slightly modified version of Super Mario World. So you got... What was different? Uh, they changed a couple of sprite things and a little bit... If I remember right, it's a little bit of how Luigi handles. I Do not quote me on that. It has been a while. Uh, yeah. um, with, I with have the that Mario World, With the, the second ver- the version of Super Mario World slightly changed. Yeah, so Mario World's gone through some changes, uh, even like uh, to GBA. And Luigi's actually been changed like three times. Yeah, There's yeah. Uh, some awesome like wiki uh, Wikipedia pages I've oh, seen was- just dedicated to Lu- Luigi's journey through the Mario games. Because it feels like every time they reissue something, they also change them some way. Yeah, because he was exactly the same in yeah, the original. Right. He was just yeah. palette swap. So this um, way, you get Mario 1, 2, and 3 in their beautifully revised versions. You get Lost Levels, which, okay, whatever, which was cool at the time. And, <laughs> and, okay, and, whatever. And, and Jared get, Petty, um, IGN.com. And you get Mario World, one of the, one of the most delightful. So I, everyone will always hate Lost Levels. I mean, I will never play that thing. Like, it's just, it's too hard, right? It, it's too much. It's it was a taste of uh, what Mario Maker would bring. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Later. It's hard in mean ways. That's but, what, I like uh, hard games. Wind but, in yeah, a video it, game it, when you can't see it. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> playing our type against invisible enemies. It's mm-hmm. just just don't no. Yeah, just so don't do it's, it. it's definitely a weird game, and like obviously we got a different game in the United States instead mm-hmm. of it. I always felt though that that if they, if it had been titled like this is the expert edition. I think it would have been revered more and it would have been understood more as, as being that sequel. Yep. I agree. All right, Jared, let's hear your the what rest of got? your picks. Okay, so uh, two kind of straightforward ones, forward ones here. Uh, Chrono Trigger, which yeah. uh, is... Yeah. AI is a beautiful role-playing game that it does so many things right and also uh, was one of the first role-playing games to eliminate so many of the things that RPGs did wrong. Uh, yeah. Chrono Trigger, it put the enemies on the map where you could see them. It had a simplified yet not completely devoid of strategy battle system, incredibly Beautifully rendered, lovable characters, a great story. Meaningful plot twist. Meaningful right? plot like twist. Game of Thrones. Huge plot twist. plot twist. Yeah, yeah, I mean, think of the middle of Chrono yeah. Trigger. You're like, what, what, yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. Or even Frog's whole storyline is always like, it brings a tear to your eye, right? Yeah. Um, and also, uh, when you <laughs> talked about the battle system, the uh, dual tech, triple tech, which... I felt like I, and maybe I was just ignorant of other RPGs, but I did not see that anywhere, or it, I felt like I didn't, and it was so good. And so many beautiful endings. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just, yeah. there's, there's, you could be, we could be effusive about this game for, for an hour, and then, and then the, talking about music. Yeah. Good yeah, yeah. lord. It was just, a, you, Jose, you were talking about this before the show, a dream team sort of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of, of developers all coming yeah. together. Talent great. coming together. They had to the whole leitmotif thing going where each character had a recognizable theme. Obviously, like, Nintendo are great at, at using that squares too, right? Like mm-hmm. each, like if you think of like Kefka or a character from the Final Fantasy universe, you immediately hear the music. But like I always hear Frog's theme when I, I see that character in front of me. It's just so good. Or even just when you power on the cartridge and you just get that sound of the of the pendulum going back and forth on the clock that's still one of the most iconic intros of a video game i have a dream that's never going to come true that i'm going to be sitting at e3 one year and something's going to say square enix proudly presents and i'm just going to see uh uh, (laughs) that clock come through the frame and give me a date and i would fall over dead on the ground it would be chrono trigger 3 because chrono cross counts whether you (sighs) want to admit it or not 
Chrono Cross gave us dreams of the shore near another world, so that's mm-hmm. that's okay, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But, oh. I see. I think whatever is old is going to be new again. Like somebody who reveres that game and grew up with it is going to get a chance tackling a, a sequel, and we'll do it justice. We've seen this. But happen. that's an intimidating one, especially because you're talking about Her- Hironobu Sakaguchi. You're talking about Yuji Horii. Yeah. Who are like guys that are absolutely revered yeah. in the world of Japanese video games. Like they are two of the most important men. Uh, on top of many other people who yeah. worked on that game, Akira Toriyama. Um, I know. We can but go like on for you days. Can say, you can say the th- same thing about Super Metroid and Metroid Prime. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know. I'm not as talented as those people, but I'll happily take the opportunity, Square Enix, if you want to. Jared's <laughs> going to make it for you. Don't worry. Yeah. He's there you go. There, there you go. go. Happy to. Um, so that's a, a beautiful, beautiful game. I go back and forth as to whether that or Sweet and Do is my favorite RPG, and depending on the day, uh, I go one or the other. Um, Final Fantasy III, uh, known as three yes. in the States, six in, uh, in Japan, and now worldwide after the retcon which is a very different RPG than, um, than Chrono Trigger, in a way somehow even more epic and sweeping. I don't think it's as refined an RPG. I do think it is the best Final Fantasy. Best is not a helpful word, I realize, but, but that's, how I, 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 that's where I go to in the core. It is, it is a wonderfully crafted story full of twists and turns, and again, a couple of really meaningful plot points Absolutely. that you don't see coming. The opera scene, incredible mm-hmm. to this yeah. day. And then you have uh, Uematsu's work, which I, I left his name off on Chrono Trigger because uh, I had a I had a hint that this was coming up, but uh, Nobuo Uematsu's work, which fantastic, yeah. fantastic composer, like someone who absolutely deserves every bit the, of credit he gets. The Super Nintendo Final Fantasy trilogy, honestly, is just such a fantastic game series. Like, if there was a collection, I would gladly remove six and put that one in because I'm very fond of uh, the fond of the music in five and four and you know, like the job system in yeah. the previous titles, but. But six was just so polished, and you know, just like the emotional beats are so good. You know? Yeah, like yeah. The storytelling sequences—they really try. The Wikipedia page for JRPG should just be a picture of Final Fantasy VI. Like in I, the snow with the water. Yeah. No, yeah. you can definitely tell uh, that they learned a lot since Final Fantasy IV, specifically, which was one of the first games I felt that the scenarios were trying to go for mm-hmm. some emotional sort of things that happen, right? Like when Tella. Uh, you know, spoiler. Oh, right? yeah, like absolutely. Scenes like that, yeah. or when the twins sacrificed themselves. Back then, the emotional beat lasted all of two seconds, and then I was like, oh, well, we gotta go. You know, but, whereas, but it was an emotional beat, and that was so new yeah, for us. But then and, six and that place takes the torch and exactly, just ran yeah, with two, it. Yeah, like Final Fantasy IV is beautiful for its ambitious brevity i think but, and final fantasy c6 is beautiful for its ambitious scale like i i, I feel they're great and, that, and like they had good sto- they had pre-written predetermined story moments but there were like moments where i was like uh, i remember one of the scenes where i think you're escaping in an airship or something and one of your characters doesn't make it in time mm. and yeah. then my friend is like no i played it he made it, makes it i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> you know it's true right like yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VI. Um, so so far we have uh, Super Mario All Stars plus Mario World combo cart cheating, yep. uh, which I'll replace Mario World with, so okay. that way we get an even better version. Uh, we have Chrono Trigger, uh, the, the superb RPG, and Final Fantasy three slash six, which is almost as good. Um, the next two are picks because they are hard to play other places, and they're beautiful, wonderful games. The first of those is Star Fox. Uh, the original Star Fox, Woo-hoo! a game that I think is a superbly realized, 
home arcade game. There are not a lot of arcade games made just mm. for home consoles. Mm. Star Fox knocks that ambition out of the park. At 15 um, frames per second, but I agree with you. Yeah. You, yes. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah, at 15. And probably because of the chip emulation, even, I don't know if it's a legal issue or what, but Nintendo just doesn't release this in other emulation collections and services. So mm-hmm. if you want to play Star Fox, you've either got to play it off a cart or you've got to steal it yeah. uh, because they won't let you buy it. And it's a wonderful experience. And as much as I like 64, I feel like the pure rail flight version of Star Fox with its you know branching paths and cool secrets is is just a superb video game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a it's a great game. I I think obviously it's it's suffered over the years but yeah. it is still playable once you get into the groove of the you know of the the kind of sluggishness of the mm-hmm. visuals. Mm. It's still pretty impressive like what they did with so few geometrical shapes. Like the how they how they just kind of let you explore your path and I guess it's a good game, and the music is also awesome. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I guess a pie-in-the-sky uh, idea for me, maybe not for this uh, for this collection per se, but if Nintendo ever pursued it, would be to bring that game up to uh, 30 frames per second standard. Like, just rebuild it, but wow. keep its simplicity. It's yeah. artistic simplicity. Like, don't change that. Well, you could do a 60 frames per second version with... You know those visuals that be uh, be pretty pretty awesome, pretty intense. That would be yeah. fascinating. Yeah, and yeah. to some extent, I mean, I think it sells to a small audience though, and you know maybe I, again, 3D games have come so much further since. Yeah. That's why it's always uh, such an interesting thing to note that it's never been re-released. Like it's one of those yeah. games that I feel like there's an audience that wants to play this. Well, game. it's one of those examples of a rare low frames per second action game that was thoughtfully designed by by people who understood what that meant, and so the controls still work. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what strikes me. Is that yes, it's slow, but you—it's precise while yeah. it's slow. You don't feel like you're lagging at all. It, it, it's doing exactly—you know—you shoot where you're trying to shoot, and you move where you're trying to move, and that's actually fair and low for rare in low frame rate uh, shooters like that. So it's yeah. pretty cool. The last one, however, is the 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 prince, the king, the emperor of of Super FX chip games, and that is the venerable Yoshi's Stuntracks Island. FX. No, 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 not no, no, not Sunray FX. No. <laughs> Yoshi's Island, uh, a, which is a delightful little game yeah. that has not gotten justice since its initial release. It has been remade twice now in yucky versions that <laughs> people fair. should not play. That's fair. And you really need to go back. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I don't like to encourage theft, but if it's a choice between federal prison and not playing Mario, <laughs> choose federal prison. Yoshi's Island is just wonderful. Uh, I really hope mm-hmm. they release this someday for us so we can legitimately play it on Nintendo hardware and give them money for it. Yep. No, he doesn't I, really want you to steal it. But yeah, he doesn't. You can buy... A Super Famicom or a Super Nintendo and play it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the, the only the FX chip allowed for certain visuals that weren't possible in like Super Mario World, right? Like the Trent, walls falling yeah. forward, for example. Like you had this polygonal, I, I think it was polygonal mm-hmm. wall, right? Like oh, what, that's what makes it work. The, the, yeah. the FX effects are so yeah. subtle in it. But they it, really are. Yeah, I, it's, I, not, it's not this kind of like super visually rich game. It's very playful and muted. So. No, yeah. no. Well, and then uh, you have levels like Touch Fuzzy Get Dizzy where everything just takes this war 
warped effect mm-hmm. and looks just really surreal. Like it takes yeah. an art style that's already cartoony and just warps and transforms it in a way that I don't think I saw many games do. But yeah. again, I may be misremembering. Um, but I do feel like uh, the only way, unfortunately, you can play this game today is if you settle for the Game Boy Advance port, yep. which is available on your uh, Wii U for sale. I believe it was one of the Ambassador games, if you're one of those who still remembers what that even means. Mm-hmm. Um, Ambassadorship. We were yeah, there. I remember yeah. that? I have I some that. icon somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah, that's it. We're ambassadors. Yeah. Be proud. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a shame that uh, given today's technology and how good that art would look on a, on a nice you know, HD TV. Yeah, it, it's, it's very beautiful. But beyond the beauty, it's a unique, mechanically unique platformer. With I agree. Great mechanics, great, great ideas for how you control your characters mm. and just, just superb level design. Well, I mean, they turned the timer off. You didn't have to worry about getting to the end of a, a flagpole marker or something at the end within a certain allotted time. Instead, you had to worry about getting this baby there, which was stressful. Mm-hmm. I will say the first time I played Yoshi's Island, I was turned off because I got hit. I made a mistake on a jump. That thing started crying up a storm. And I was like, wait, what? What? Ha- wait, yep. I got it. And you have 10 seconds to get that kid back or hasta la vista. Like, that's yeah. it. You have to start baby. over. Yeah, baby. <laughs> 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 oh my That's god lovely no but but that That's was it lovely. right yeah. like uh and so um it's a better grew... name for that game Hasta la vista, baby. Baby. That's great. um but i uh I, I didn't grow to appreciate it until i got much older and it is fantastic level design uh, i think the bosses are also very unique yes. visually distinct from bosses who you have to make their pants disappear so that they become embarrassed and leave well that's um, right the big no. oh yeah, yeah first yeah, boss yeah yeah no it's, huh. it's one of those um and then you also just last thing on that game uh that blows my mind to this day is what speedrunners have done with it what guys like trihex have done with it where uh the fastest hands on the internet that you will ever see um even so so fast at that game in fact that he has put them in ice and then played the game to see what his speedrun record will be insane uh if you haven't seen his videos you absolutely should google that find out what that's about that is a great choice. Thank you. Uh, I really like your list. Uh, I, I feel- like all your additions. I guess. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will let uh, Jeff know that Super Mario World was replaced by a superior version. Um, <laughs> and one that was kind of hard to find because I yeah. think Super Mario All-Stars plus Super Mario World was a pack-in. That was not sold. It was a late pack-in, I believe. I, if it was ever sold on its own, I don't know about it, but I'm not sure. I didn't look this up. Yeah, it was, it was sold on eBay. but it's the truth i think i might have seen a box for it somewhere so i wonder if it did get a limited shelf life but but i'm not Uh, sure i'd be curious to see it could have been a mock-up you guys now have nine games there and like just if i close my eyes i can think instantly of nine more that are fantastic yeah Yeah. like that system it is in my mind the greatest system ever made Mm -hmm. the super nintendo and the the software lineup is just second to none it was a great heyday for japanese games specifically that and the ps1 era i feel were were two distinct eras in video games that i will never forget i'm so glad i lived through them because between experimentation ideas and just games that absolutely changed the way you thought about things that was the period where it all happened and crazy experiments with stuff before the hardware was ready for them like remember the 3d jurassic park game and there was just so much but it was it was ridiculously creative yeah they they were pushing things so many different directions cool okay so um we're gonna leave that there uh we have a guest coming in next week who's going to bring uh his five games to the list and knock a so, jared uh, and knock it maybe jeff? knock it yeah knock a jared or a jeff pick it's out like, we'll see look at that list you can't remove one of those games you you're 
He it's might like possibly the worst human being. Oh, that I'm setting this yeah. up. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that works out. It's All right. So, mean. so we're gonna take a quick uh, second to answer one question on the question block because we gotta go. We're actually running a little bit out of time here, uh, but we did get a question in from. Let me find his name. A uh, good friend of the show, Marshall, uh, who writes in. Uh, Hello, Nintendo Voice Chat. Uh, I'm Marshall. I'm proud to have autism. I love the show. Uh, Keep up the great work. Do you think we will see a new Nintendo Direct for this month? We haven't had a Direct since uh, for a while, uh, specifically when this email was sent in March. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if that's so accurate, but I want to say it's been long enough, so we'll strike that from the record. Uh, And personally, I I really don't like long breaks between Nintendo Directs, the hiatus that happens in between where we just don't hear what's going on for a while. Do you think we'll see a Direct about upcoming announced games for Wii U and 3DS or even something about NX anytime soon? Keep up the amazing work. All right, Marshall, we're going to tell it to you straight. Oh, I thought you were going to tell it straight. I, if you want to start, you can. I, you know, I, I think they're going to do a direct when they've got the 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 Super NES, the classic uh, NES. Sorry, not Super NES. The NES classic coming out. I feel like that's a cool kind of thing to demo on screen because it's such a visually striking piece of hardware. It's so tiny, and the majority of people have not seen it. Especially if there's a feature yeah. on it that they haven't and, talked about yet. And mm-hmm. then obviously they have Pokemon coming. And so there, there's no question in my <clears throat> mind that there will be a direct coming, but like right now feels like the wrong time. So interesting to, to kind of push back on the Pokemon thing a little bit. Pokemon's kind of run off on their own. Like the last... Three or four Pokemon updates have been done by Pokemon Company themselves through a trailer. It has not been through a direct, which I like that only mm-hmm. because I feel like Pokemon is up there with like Smash Brothers, where the more updates you give people, the more excited they are for mm-hmm. what's yeah. coming. And just last week, seeing like, for example, the original 151 changed in the Alola region, like mm-hmm. that's cool. Like the idea that there are different versions of Pokemon you've known for years all of a sudden showing up in yeah. the game. Vulpix yeah. is now an icy Vulpix, mm-hmm. like things like that. Blue Vulpix, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's cool. But. Uh, I worry they're not going to have something to say with Nintendo Direct for a while. I yeah. worry that it might be even as far as an X. Do you think there'll be a Gamescom edition? No? No. No, then? I, I don't think so. So around Gamescom, and I'm going to kick it over to you, Jared, next in a sec. Um, uh, I would say, so keep in mind, Metroid Prime Federation Force is coming out. I think that's August 19th. Yeah, I want to say. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going to say much about that game and all the features that they've wanted to talk about, they've talked about. That's not the game that they'll choose to highlight because they just know that the, the hardcore fan reaction, the people who tune in for those directs sure. are the ones who are negative on it. I feel like it, it has to be a bigger game like a Pokemon yeah, or the but, classic. But to, the common theme in a out. lot of directs is not just gameplay footage, but right. new features to talk about, mm-hmm. things that you didn't know, yeah. or announcements for things that are coming that you didn't know. And just right now, there's just this very uncertain timetable of the future. I do think, I, I agree with you that NES Classic is a good thing to put in there, especially if there's a feature they haven't talked about. Yeah. But let's say there isn't and a Paper feature Mario. to talk about. Paper Mario yeah. would be another game to yeah. put on that list for sure. But... Um, but yeah, I don't think there's going to be like this mega announcement yeah. surprise thing. I, think I would say there'll be some, yeah. some light stuff. Remember, there's still Animal Crossing to talk about, yeah. too. Dragon Quest is coming yeah. out. Yeah. Dragon Quest so, 7, yeah. uh, Fragments of Forgotten Past. I would say by September, I think we'll see something. Because so you don't want to go into the holiday with nothing to say. Mm-hmm. September timing is good. Yeah. And that's, you know, like the, I, I don't think they'll make a big splash at TGS either. But they've been, there, there has been speculation like, what, when will Nintendo talk more yeah. in X? 
Yeah. It's not going to be a Gamescom. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I think anything yeah. they do is going to be just kind of, hey, guys, it's still coming. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, going to yeah. show us other, but they're, they're, they, they've put themselves September. in this position. They made their call. They yeah. decided this, this Christmas is not going to be their thing. And I think that's going to lead to a weird, kind of awkward and direct for the next and one. That's if they what it's to been, do it. right? Yeah, like right. For so. the last couple months. I will say there, is some, there are some games on the books that came out in Japan that have still not shown their face in the West. The new Picross, for example, yeah. Picross 3D2, which was a weird title, but whatever. We really like that game. You yep. and I played it. Um, Detective Pikachu still yep. has not shown oh, yeah, his face right. on the West. That's another one. Yokai Watch 3. Yokai Watch 2 is about yeah. to come out. You probably won't hear about 3 until maybe six months from now or from that game's day, uh, ship date. Uh, you still have uh, Dragon Quest 8 is, uh, is, is a thing that's announced, but they yep. haven't really said much about. Yep. Um, and then you have that new IP game that they announced at uh, E3. But you notice mm-hmm. the theme here is all 3DS. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if uh, that's been made obvious, but yeah, this is the times we live in. Yeah. I'm hoping that there is some cool surprise in the form of DLC. Like, hey, guess what? There is another Mario Kart track pack. Mm. Uh, track pack and you get you know x new tracks or mario maker even yeah. just Somehow. let me let me play a slime in smash brothers something like that yeah a slime yeah, oh be a slime. i'll be a slime in smash brothers oh man yeah. i wonder what that move sounds like punch, though. huh you can't punch who says what's he gonna do he, says, he does slime. he does something he does something like, but it's just, gonna be like kirby's just gonna i just love you jump in the air turn into a metal slime and just crush them yeah it'd be great oh, okay. you know we can go with a great great character actually there we go. Yeah, you can do some really creative things with this line. I like it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. We're a weekly show on IGN. You know the whole spiel. You can leave us feedback by sending us an email at nbc at IGN.com. A bunch of you have written in about NX and NX questions. I have not missed those emails. We just haven't found an elegant way to bring them into the show yet. We'll be doing that soon. We didn't ask for them, by the way, but we appreciate them. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you email that stuff. Also, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Please feel free to let us know what you think of the show. We're always encouraged uh, and happy to read that feedback. Lastly, you can find us all on Twitter. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for joining us. You thank can find you for having Jared me. Petty at uh, Petty, Jared. And you can listen to a show that Petty, Jared does called. Uh, I make a little show called Pockets Full of Soup. And if you want to check it out, I'd like that. It's, right. it's a cooking show. Uh, it's using uh, very non traditional methods of cooking. Yep, yep. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's an uplifting life show. Right? It's a storytelling show, yeah. yeah. And, show. and uh, it's uh, talking, people telling stories about other people. Uh, cool. that's right. It's fun. Make sure you check that out. Make thank sure you, you also check out IGN's uh, Pokemon Secret Base which you should absolutely look up on the internet don't just look up Secret Base you're going to end up getting wiki results for how to do it in uh, Omega Rupee and Alpha Sapphire IGN's Pokemon Secret Base then you'll get a little closer you can find Per Schneider at Per IGN and you can find myself Jose underscore Otero thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. 
The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.